Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you hanging in there? Doing well. Uh, busy, busy time. Uh, I've got basketball tournaments the next two weeks, but definitely settling in here. Christmas is right around the corner. Kentucky basketball season's about to really kick up, and definitely in terms of competition, but we we'll do a football mailbag today because we've got a lot of football to talk about. We do. We found out last night Kentucky's bowl, uh, bowl game, bowl opponent. And for the second time in the past four years, Kentucky will be handed, heading down to Orlando. Found out last night it'll be taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes, which won the uh, Big Ten West division this year. They got thumped a little bit by Michigan the other night but uh still a really good season for Iowa they finished uh, 10 and 2 in the regular season coming into this game at 10 and 3 Sean we'll start with the obvious storyline Mark Stoops is alma mater he had a lot of good things to say about Iowa last night uh, a lot of history there between um you know obviously he played there but also his older brothers Bob and and Mike I'm sure if you listen to this podcast this is nothing new to you I'm sure it's this is not the first time you heard that Mark Stoops played college football at Iowa but really interesting I guess that the first time that these two teams will ever play it's with an uh Iowa alma mater or Iowa alum I guess playing uh or coaching against his former school and it was bound to happen at some point like I, I feel like that we've had Kentucky Iowa rumored matchups in bowl yeah. games for like three or four years now. And, and with it being either an ACC team or a, or a big 10 team that Kentucky gets matched up with in the, in these bowls, whether it be music city or the belt or one of the, it was, it always felt like at some point this was going to happen. And for storyline purposes, I think it makes it one of the most interesting bowl games out there. Honestly, you, you have an Iowa team that in my opinion, Derek, I, I don't think that they're as good as, what they what they're perceived to be with playing in a title game for the Big Ten. I, I don't really think that they're equivalent to a nine or ten win team. But hey, it's an opportunity for Kentucky to to go out there and, and get another ten win season. I, I think they have a really good opportunity to do it too. Yeah, Iowa's a really interesting team in terms of um how you want to view opponents at the time that you play them. Because if you go like they got up to number two in the country this year. And I think yeah. a big part of that was because at the time they were perceived to have beaten some really good teams. Look at this. Whenever, whenever they beat Indiana in the season opener, Indiana was ranked 17th. They had a really good year last year. People thought that, you know, they were going to come in this year and have a really good year. And I think they finished two and 10, if I remember right. Uh, the next week they won at Iowa State again. Preseason top 10 team. So you're starting off pretty hot right there, right? You beat two top 25 teams to start the season, beat Kent State, beat Colorado State. They thumped Maryland on the road. And that set up a really big game. I think it was a top five game, Iowa and Penn State. Um, Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford, got hurt, but Iowa held on. And that's where this team starts to get kind of interesting yeah. when you look at the schedule. So they started off 6-0. and Things were looking good. He had three wins over top 17 teams based on when they played them. But they get beat 24 to 7 at home by Purdue. Then they lose the next week 27 to 7. So, what that starts to tell me is uh, maybe some offense problems there. Whenever you're only scoring one touchdown, they scored two touchdowns in two games right there. Beat a really bad Northwestern team 17 to 12. Um, but they give them credit. They won out, beat Minnesota, beat Illinois, beat Nebraska, and then they got crushed by Michigan. What, what this team looks like. 
Uh, very, very good defense. Very good at getting takeaways. But an offense that is truly uh, – it's bad. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. The most passing yards they had all season, it looks like, was 259. Um I mean, they had two or three games here where they didn't even throw for 100 yards. At least the starting quarterback didn't. So, I think you got to feel good about that, right, Sean? If you're, yeah, if you're we, a Kentucky team that's worried about your pass defense. Yeah, we we know that feeling, though, right? Like not throwing for 100 yards right, yeah. in games and stuff. We've covered plenty of those. But, yeah, I just think it's a good matchup for Kentucky. I think Kentucky – I mean, you saw it. They opened as a favorite this morning, and I think that that is the way it should be, honestly. I think Kentucky – to me, on paper, is the better team. Does that mean that they're going to go win the bowl game? It doesn't. You've obviously got to go down there and compete. And, I mean, entering a bowl game with, uh, I want to say, maybe no chip on your shoulder, like that's uh, that's a little different too, right, when you're when you're Kentucky football. Though. But, but, hey, it's an opportunity and, like, it, it's a chance to get 10 wins again. Like, that's what I said last week. This program has been so good at winning the offseason. And a lot of it in recent years is because of the momentum and the shot in the arm that a bowl game gives this program. I think that they're going to attack this thing for the next three or four weeks and, and go down there and, and play good football. you got a quarterback that you're feeling and confidence is growing in him, not just for this season, but for next season. Uh, you got other weapons that you feel good about. I, I, re I really think that this is going to be a fun couple of weeks for Kentucky football and a chance to continue to build on the success that they've had. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get into Iowa a lot more in the smell bag. Yeah, one more fun note before we get into the questions that were asked by uh, listeners. I saw a stat that Iowa and Kentucky are tied for the longest non-conference winning streak in the country. So someone will have sole possession of that. Kentucky's not lost a non-conference game since losing to Northwestern in the Music City Bowl. And I don't even, I've not looked at Iowa's schedules over the years close enough to know the last time that they lost uh, a non-conference game. But something's got to give there. I want to say, um, before we get into this shot, how do you think fans will perceive this trip to the Citrus Bowl? Because in 2018, it was very cool. You get to have a Florida Bowl game. You get your first shot at 10 wins since 1977, playing a historic power in Penn State. How do, you, how do you kind of view this now, the vibes with the fan base, knowing that you're going back to a bowl you were just in, in a few years ago and playing a team that Iowa's a good program. I think I think UK fans certainly respect Iowa, but not not the same name brand as some of the other Big Ten schools. It's not. It's not Penn State. It's not James Franklin. You don't, you're not, you don't hate or dislike the person on the other sideline like as much as what it was Kentucky and Penn State. But to me, I think that this can kind of be what – is expectations now it's to make it to a bowl game of this caliber to the to the citrus bowl and if you're a kentucky fan i think you you look and i'm not saying that this is going to be kentucky in a few years but let's uh let's not forget alabama played in this game a couple years ago and and beat michigan i mean that is uh it's a game that alabama's been a part of in recent years uh that's your second time being a part of it in the last three or four seasons and to me, it's another opportunity to get 10 wins. I think that is what keeps this fan base invested in it and excited about it is because you can get the double-digit wins again. And if you do that, the way you're recruiting and the, the transfer portal and all this other stuff, you like I said, a quarterback that you're really high on going into next year, I think it would just elevate the program to another level and probably put the buzz maybe at an all-time high going into the next season. 
Yeah, and if you're UK, this is the best you could have done after because you know outside of the New Year Six, uh, it's the most prestigious bowl you could have gotten. And uh, I would rather have this still than had it been out back and having to play Penn State again. Like I think this scenario is better than that. But I'm ready to hop into the mailbag. If you are, we got quite a few questions here. Um, we've got we've got one from Brandon that I was looking at that I was going to ask first. I think okay. it's Brandon. Uh, hold on. All right here. Which bowl other than Kentucky and the two national semifinal games are you looking forward to the most? And is it just me or does it seem like Brian Kelly handled the LSU job completely wrong? It just seems like Notre Dame got done dirty. Great hire for Notre Dame, though. I'm going to pass this one off to you because literally, you know, I only know three bowl matchups and it's the one Kentucky's playing and the two national semifinals. I've not even looked at any <laughs> of the other matchups. Um, yeah, I, I got a few bowls that, on a local level, when I saw it yesterday, I tweeted up, quote tweeted it, Western Kentucky and Appalachian State. I think that's a really good game. Uh, App State, 10 and 3. Western Kentucky's 8 and 5. I don't even know how to say this kid's name. I'm going to say the E is, is silent. If not, it's it's a cooler name, if not. But I think Bailey Zapp, my Paul, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be someone out here who's a Western Kentucky fan who also listens to this. I'm really sorry if I butchered this kid's name. But listen to these stats, Sean. 5,545 passing yards and 56 <laughs> touchdowns. So he needs five touchdowns passing this game, which is certainly doable for him uh, to become the all-time leader for a single season. Joe Burrow threw for 60 touchdowns a few years ago. Uh, so if he, you know, he's got history on the line in this game. I mean, it's an 11 a.m. kick on December 18, so it's not too far away. Wow. That one caught my eye for that level. Uh, scrolling through here. You know, I didn't see any of the other SEC games that really caught my eye again locally. Louisville, a uh, lot of just a mess over at Louisville. It sounds like Vince Tyre might be leaving to go to Florida State, the athletic director, who's a UK alum. Um, but they, I thought they drew a terrible, terrible matchup. They got to play in the first responder bowl against Air Force, which leads the country in rushing. So you remember in 2016 when UK had to prepare for, for Georgia Tech in a bowl. Even having that extra time, it did not help yeah. UK at all in that game. Who's Tennessee have? Their music Purdue. city, right? Mm-hmm. Purdue. Yeah, okay, Purdue. That's, that's a good matchup. It is, but it sounds like Purdue's top two players aren't even going to play. Um, yeah. and, and that's the other thing when you get into these bowl games and yeah. stuff. If it's not the national semifinals or even New Year's Six, it's kind of uh, hit or miss with who's going to play. I'll tell you what I think would be a good game, two, two of them, both New Year's Six games, Utah against Ohio State. Uh, Utah Pac-12 champs, first time ever playing in the Rose Bowl in Ohio State. Obviously, tough pill to swallow if you're Ohio State, having to see your rival Michigan finally beat you, and now Michigan is in the playoff while you're going to the Rose Bowl. So I think the motivation there for Utah will be very high, and I think that could be a good game. And then um, Baylor and Ole Miss, uh, yeah. as far as SEC teams go. But that's that's about it. None of the others really jump out to me outside of those. <clears throat> Uh, let's start with John's question here as we get into the roster and some other things. Uh, if Jordan Wright doesn't come back, who replaces him as the starter? Well, you know, he shares that spot as of now with, with J.J. Weaver. So, I mean, I think Weaver would be there. But in terms of, you know, the, the guy that was getting a lot of buzz last week who could potentially um, be a starter along with Weaver would be Chris Bogle, the transfer from Florida. He just took a visit to Michigan State. Um haven't heard much from him in terms of if he plans to visit UK, but in terms of that outside linebacker, Jack type, he, he would be the guy to watch. Um, but Weaver's still going to be there. Katie McDaniels 
You know, he plays that other strong – he plays a strong side linebacker spot. He played a little bit more as the year went on. Keaton Wade, I think, will end up playing there. But, again, a true freshman, and I don't know that he's going to – I think he will – I actually think he will play next year, but I don't know how much it'll be. So, for now, I mean, I think Bogle – if they if they are able to get Bogle, then I think you'll see Wright leave. But to me, Jordan Wright doesn't have a you know definitive case necessarily to get drafted. But you know he might. I mean, this asking someone to be in school for a sixth year—that's a lot. So he might just be ready to move on. We have two questions here, same topic. One's from Nick, and the other one is from Sandy Ravage. I like that name instead <laughs> of Randy Savage. Uh, someone has already asked about Summerall's heir. Can you provide more names, info on likely incoming transfers, and then any names floating around to fill the linebacker coach job after Summerall left for Troy? Do they plan on promoting from within? No, I don't. I don't think they'll promote from within. Um, probably a little early to know. Stoops has typically taken his time uh, on hires, and and they're in a spot right now. It's December 6th. The early signing period is December 15th. I don't think you're going to see much coaching movement until after the signing period. I think that's just kind of the courtesy that coaches tend to give one another. So uh, Adam Luckett had a good story at KSR. I thought broke down some, some names that of guys who had ties. He had one I thought was really interesting. I want to applaud him for, for kind of digging and figuring this out. Aaron Curry is a grad assistant at Wake Forest who played for the Seahawks for a while, but he has some connections to Brad White. And that would be interesting if they went that route. But Christian Robinson was a name that is logical. He was on the staff at Florida, young, good recruiter, played at Georgia um, about 10 years ago. I would imagine he'll he'll be in consideration to get retained at Florida. But, you know, he, he would be considered an up-and-comer. And, you know, he's in a spot that – the head coach got fired, so any time that that happens, you would you would think someone's a little bit more open to changing jobs. But those are the two names. But, you know, Chris Collins, that hire, he was a guy that was totally off the radar. He would not have been on any hot boards, you know, whenever you did that. And I think Steve's probably always has people in mind, but I do think it's very important that you hire someone who can hit the ground running. Uh, an assistant like John Summerall, I mean, they got Summerall from Ole Miss. So, I mean, you hired him from an SEC school, someone who had been you know, coaching in the South for a while since he was at Troy, he'd been at Tulane. I think, you know, this is the kind of hire that whoever you get, it needs to be a seasoned uh, coach and recruiter. And then uh, what was the other question? Is that, is that all it was? Uh, can oh, you provide transfer. more names, info on likely incoming transfers? And then we can kind of loop this question into it as well. Uh, which wide receiver do we – hold on, let's see here, right here. Is there any DBs in the portal that are seriously considering Kentucky right now? Uh-huh. And then are more cornerbacks our biggest need for next year, and do we go in the portal to get some? So a lot of questions about the portal and kind of where things are with transfers. And obviously we expect the wide receiver position and defensive backs to both be targeted. Yeah, so I would say the most likely, and I put it in a crystal ball form yesterday, is Tavion Robinson, the wide receiver transfer from Virginia Tech. I, I think he is I – th- I think there's a pretty good chance he commits to Kentucky. So he would be the one I would say I feel the best about. Bogle's another guy that – the way it sounded to me is if UK really pushed for him, they would have a great chance. So we'll see. If they do that, um, to answer the cornerback question, uh, my coworker Josh Edwards, who 
will be on the show. Sean, you'll, you'll figure this out. I haven't told you this yet. He'll be on our signing day show again for the second year. He reported that Marcus Banks, who is a transfer from Alabama, a cornerback, he's visiting this upcoming weekend. So December 10th, he'll be on campus or he's scheduled to be on campus. So he just visited Miami, I think, but take that for what it's worth because Miami literally fired its head coach today after a total mess down there with uh, uh, you trying to get my they, they ended up working out for him. They got Chris the ball from Oregon. He's coming back home, but for Banks' recruitment purpose, whoever he just hung out with this weekend, whatever coaches he talked to, there's a chance that they won't even be there next year. So if anything, he got to visit Miami for a weekend, which I'm sure was fun, but I think UK is in a pretty good spot there for him. Um, some other, you know, I think they'll keep going to DB help. I think an offensive lineman. They offered a kid from Rutgers, which really surprised me because this kid was not even a full-time starter at Rutgers. He just moved over to the offensive line, I think, last season. Um, started a few games at offensive line, but didn't have great, you know, pro football focus grades. But he's from Ohio, and if you think you need some depth, then, then maybe he's worth taking. But I, I think there's much to be determined because – you have yes, there's a lot of people in the portal now, but more people will go in after the bowl games. More kids will go in after spring practice. Like, I wouldn't rush to fill everything right now because there there will be many more options that come available um, by around April probably. And back to Final Four has another question or has a question about recruiting. I figured we'd just stay on this topic. Uh, finish the UK football signing class, transfers included. And then uh, he says, where is the team staying in Orlando? I don't I don't know where they stay. I don't know where they stayed at last time down there for Team Hotel. I don't know where they stay either. Um, well, it's just tough to predict the rest of the class. Um, if yeah. you're asking me, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have a, a good shot at some guys. They're right in the mix for some others. Um pull up the old commitment class right now. A couple, couple of things to, to discuss since we haven't been on here in a few days. Travion Longmire from Corbin, friend of the show, unfortunately. Uh, he won't be signing with UK. That was my understanding. I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but that wasn't really his choice. You know, it was on UK's end. So he's he's getting looked at for some other schools, though. I think he's going to land on his feet. Cincinnati's very interested. Uh, Mississippi State, I'm hearing, still really wants him. So I think uh, – I think he'll end up being fine, but also Taj Harris. That was another, I think, UK decision. And I, he has some academic, you know, credits that he needs to get. And it sounds like he's a really long way away, basically has no shot at getting it. So I don't know how that even affects him with other schools. But those two guys, so as of now, Kentucky has no transfers coming in for now. And they have 17 commitments. I think Deion Walker is a top priority, but the guy that I really think would be a huge addition this late just because they haven't recruited him that long is the cornerback that I, I will definitely figure out his name if he signs with the UK, but uh, Davison Igbenison, Igbenison maybe is, uh, is what we're going to go with there. He visited this past weekend, and I got a text Friday night that indicated things are going very well for him. And – you know, I think the the narrative on him coming in was, you know, he was probably Ole Miss lean, Ole Miss. He's supposed to visit Ole Miss this weekend. But I kind of started thinking, you know, that was the very first visit that Stoops and Brad White took once they got back out on the road. They went and saw him. 
maybe maybe something's there. He's a really highly ranked kid on our side. He's a top 115 kid nationally. Uh, source over at UK, you know, the type of talent that could come in and start, you know, at least compete for a starting job at UK um, as a freshman. So six foot two corner, kind of getting back to what they used to recruit more of. So Quintel Jones, another kid that just visited this weekend. I think he's announcing Thursday, I read. So I think if UK wants him, they'll get him. But I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's kind of either or with uh Deion Walker and him. And I think Walker is probably the better player. Six foot six, you know, over 300 pounds. I mean, that kid's a monster at nose guard. So he'll be on campus this upcoming weekend. I think they got a good shot at him. But transfer portal, like I said earlier, the only guy I really feel good about right now is Tavion Robinson. And after that, it's kind of anybody's guess as to who they'll end up with. But there's no doubt. I mean, I'd say five or six transfers easily. Yeah. It's this class. It's coming. That's for sure. Uh, right here, Wade has a question. More of a recruiting question, but will the 247 composite rankings include the on three rankings at some point? Yeah, good question. I think so. I don't I don't know that 100% for sure. I've not been told that, but yeah, I, I would say it probably will eventually. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, that, that would make sense. National rankings and factoring that into the composite. Uh, then right here, another question. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, updates on Cummings and Pascal, who both left U of L game with injuries. I know Mark Stoops said last week that Pascal's was a little more serious than some of the other things that he's had. And then Cummings was that's what the second time since Mississippi State that he's come out with the the sling on his arm. Yeah, I've not heard any updates on either of those guys. Um, but, yeah, you're right about Cummings. He, I think it was the same shoulder that he yeah. hurt against Georgia. So, good news is, you know, I don't I don't think they'll be doing anything heavy until finals That's right. are over. That's right. It was Georgia. I don't know why I thought it was Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the game where he, yeah, came, he came back. back yeah. Yeah, he got hurt against the Bulldogs right there on that final drive. But, yeah, two guys that – I think Stoops kind of hinted at after the Louisville game that if they would have had a game the next week, both those guys probably would have been doubtful. But, my, I mean, Cummings, he's going to be back. He just, you know, finished the second year at UK. He's got a lot of football at UK left ahead of him. But for a guy like Pascal, it would really stink if he, you know, was unable to play. But, you know, if he's not 100% and he's at risk of hurting himself more, you don't want to – you don't want to put him in a bad spot before the draft coming up here, before workouts begin and things like that. But you can just hope that whatever it was, 
uh, some kind of leg injury. Uh, and, you hope that he can get back and play one more game. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Cummings coming back, so let's stay on topic with that. Sam has a question here. If we add a legit wide receiver one through the portal – combined with young receivers already at UK, do you think Upshaw and Cummings make this a potential top offense in the SEC? And then that kind of goes into the other question right here about Will Levis, if I can find it and read it. Um, I just saw it. Do you see it there? Somebody asked a question about Levis and what we can expect for next year. Oh, right here, Matthew, what can we expect from Levis to improve on realistically and unrealistic next season if back and I mean I, I expect Levis to return and way 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 too early predictions for next season so let's just throw those in together I think with a healthy upshaw this year this offense would have been better than already than what it was I mean I think they'd added another weapon to the offense uh, the way Cummings came on this season made some nice plays became a reliable option in the passing game you you get both of those guys back with these young guys you hit the portal you add some pieces there and then what Levis, to me, improve on, maybe some decision-making, lower those interception numbers, and uh, just maybe just have a little bit more, to me, feel in the pocket to his game and stuff and not get rushed. We, we saw early on the season he'd get sped up a little bit, but, Derek, what we saw from him the last month of the season, I mean, that's a really good version of Will Levis. Yeah, I agree with you on, on both. And all those things make them a really good offense next year. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's easy to forget that, you know, Upshaw was out this year, you know, him, Cummings, and Bates, and then Jordan Dingle, I mean, another guy. I mean, they, you got to feel great about that tight end room next year. Hopefully everybody stays healthy in the offseason. Um, those four guys alone feel like you, you know, have some reliable targets. If they get Tavion Robinson, as I expect that they will, you know, he's a guy that got better every single year at Virginia Tech. And this is really bad on my part. I shouldn't do this, but, like, I think the only Virginia Tech game I watched all year was their very first game, and they could not throw the ball at all. So they probably had they probably I mean he had forty four catches, so they had to have gotten a little bit better throwing the ball. But they didn't look like they had a great passing game. They didn't have a great situation getting him the ball. So I think those numbers you know could go up even more. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to catch you know upwards of a hundred passes like Wandell might end up catching this year. But I think he's you know legitimately an upgrade. I mean outside of Wandell on this year's team, he would have been their best wide receiver. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if there is an area that I'm kind of just curious to see, you know, I think they're going to take two transfer wide receivers. And honestly, I, I still don't think Jordan Watkins is an option at this point, and that can be debated on if that's the right or wrong decision. I'll let fans, you know, discuss that. But as of now, just from what I've heard, I don't, I don't think he's really – in the mix at, at the moment, but that will mean that someone else will have to come in. So I think you're going to get one more experienced guy, but that still leaves you in a spot where you're not very experienced at that room. You know, assuming Wandell leaves, assuming uh, Isaiah Epps leaves, as I expect he will. And then, of course, Ali has no more eligibility left. Yeah, maybe a guy like Cleve and Thomas like, will decide to play again, but, you know, he's coming off an injury plus – Hadn't really done anything in his career, just just being honest. You know, he not the kind of guy that you would expect to come back and catch, you know, 50 balls, I don't think. So what that means is, you know, you're going to have two guys probably from the portal who might be your top two. Does Chris Lewis step up? Does Hel the Cal Crowdis, Chauncey Magwood, does he keep coming along? Uh, how good is Barry and Brown and Dan Key? Because, I mean, I think just looking at this roster, like uh, they're both going to have every chance in the world to get on the field. But – 
I guess what I'm saying is it's really hard for me to, you know, I think the potential in that room will be better next year, but it's still going to be a little, a little unproven at UK, I, I guess I would say. So with Levis though, I'm with you, like have some better decision-making and one thing too, you know, improve on some deep ball accuracy, um, which is hard for, you know, most quarterbacks. That's obviously when you're throwing the ball 50, 60 yards down the field, you're not going to have a very high completion rate when you're doing that. But it did seem like towards the end of the year, it was, it was pretty tough for them to complete passes. But I think in year two, after a spring, I mean, he'll have a lot of potential. And I think fans would be, would be very excited in that scenario. Looks like we've got two questions left. This one's from Bruce. I think I got a DM too. Um, okay. How has UK managed to make such major inroads into recruiting top shelf players from Tennessee? I know UT football has been in chaos the last few years, but loyalty to the Vols still runs deep among many in volunteer land. And you saw the Wade twins run out with UK flags <laughs> leading the team out the other day in a postseason game. It's it is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, three of the top five are – I don't know where Destin's ranked in the composite, but Barian's up there, Keaton Wade's highly ranked guy, and then Destin's a four-star, but he's he's probably a little bit lower ranked in the state. I know Klingsko was doing a good job down there before he left, and then Marrow kind of took over for the Wade twins, but, you know, they seemed pretty solid all along. And then with Barian Brown, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to, to Scott Woodward and – and Liam Cohen, I think he was a guy that they kind of targeted um, and really did a good job recruiting. And it makes sense, you know, you lose that Michigan pipeline with Linkscale gone, but you've got a place three hours or so from Lexington that is booming with population. And it's from people that, you know, a lot of these people don't have – an allegiance to, to the University of Tennessee or to Vanderbilt. So you maybe get some more open-minded people um, in terms of where they might want to go to school. So I think that helps. And it's a really popular area too of people moving in that are not from Tennessee or even yeah. from the South. Yeah. I mean, so like, like I know like two or three families that have moved in from Chicago in like the last two years into that Nashville area down there. So I mean, with an exploding population down there and you're, you're, very close. I mean, Nashville's in an area, though, that every SEC school, you know, besides like Texas A&M, you know, they're pretty far away. But for the most part, it's it's a pretty good location for, for a lot of schools to recruit. But I think if you're UK, if they're going to, you know, be the kind of state that produces a lot of talent, it, you're in a good spot. And that would be my guess, just kind of years of, of plucking away here and there. But I think what they got – Adrian Healy, was he from Tennessee? I think he, I think he is. I think he was from Tennessee last year. Yep. So that'll be a that'll be a spot where you probably still pick and choose. But the good news for I think for UK next year is the in-state class looks pretty good. Yeah. And you hope that you can clean up with those guys. And then, you know, but I think the hire for Summerall will be telling too, though, in terms of where they're going to recruit next. Yep. Uh, and then Brandon has this question. It's the last one I see. And then you got one in DMs you can read. Everyone talks about how bad Iowa's offense is. I think our defense can perform well against their offense, but how well does our offense match up with their defense? Not really watched a lot of them, but if we win that, is that is that the deciding factor, our offense or our defense? Well, I think turnover, certainly. Um, they're number two in the country 
and turnover margin, whereas UK is, you know, or was near last. I don't know if they're still last, but that's been a big help and as to why they've won 10 games is, is producing turnovers, putting their offense in a good spot because their offense in general is not good, like we talked about earlier. So I, I just think UK, I mean, uh, if they got their full offense out there, if everyone's healthy, if everyone's playing, then I think they got enough pieces where they're not going to – I mean, they should have scored three touchdowns on Georgia, which after after watching Bama, maybe maybe that Georgia defense is, is – the. I mean, you, you still got to give Georgia a lot of credit for what they did defensively. And, of course, Alabama's got talent that few teams can replicate uh, doing what they just did. But, you know, outside of that, they played poorly – at Mississippi State, but that was, you know, a big part was turnover. So, to me, the way I look at it, you know, if, if UK goes out there and, and goes minus three in the turnover margin, well, you're probably going to lose. Uh, but you could say that for any game, you know. We saw that this year. Um, but if Kentucky takes care of the football, if they, you know, give a good performance similar to, to LSU or or Louisville, the Louisville was a lot. I mean, they won't be able to run the ball on Iowa. I don't – I want to think the quarterback run game as well uh, against Iowa. So – uh, I think UK has got some potential to put up some points, but this needs to be a game that your defense dominates, though. I mean, you. I think if you keep Iowa yeah. under 21 points, you should win this game. Absolutely. Uh, what's the question you had in DMs? Question I got from Laren, and this is from, uh, let's see, he sent this last Monday, I think. So uh, a little bit dated, but. He said, I have a question for the mailbag. We see um, Malachi Nelson decommit from OU and Raleigh takes the USC job, and I think he has a crystal ball to USC now. So uh, he, he did end up committing to USC. But the question is, uh, you saw about Lincoln Raleigh being a more offensive-minded coach. Do you think Stoops and his defensive background has played a role in us not landing an elite QB? If so, do you think Cohen can be that guy to get an elite QB to Kentucky with his uh, offensive-slash-NFL approach? What do you think, Sean? I think so. And I, and I think that Levis showing what he's shown this year, you're, you're going to have a wide receiver. If Wondell decides to go, he's going to get drafted. Uh, you're, you're putting dudes in the NFL on offense. You're, you're had, you had an offense that was balanced this year, 200-plus passing yards, 200-plus rushing yards. I, I think that all those things help. And I just think that seeing it done, how many games did Kentucky have on national TV this year too? Like there were quite a few that they got the national spotlight. Um, uh, I mean, God, even even Vandy was a nationally televised game. Yeah, I don't so, I mean, about that. <laughs> you had plenty of games, and you get this one on ABC, the bowl mm-hmm. game. You get another chance to kind of showcase your program. I think all of those things help. Uh, to me, they hadn't really had any reason for an elite quarterback to ever consider Kentucky in those first six, six, seven, eight years that he was here. But now I think you do. Yeah, and they've not really had a guy in their own backyard, have they? They haven't. Barker, they got the one guy, Barker, in 2014. Of course, his career didn't go out as, as planned as people would have hoped. But, you know, they've not really had that can't-miss high four, borderline five-star type kid like Barker was. So, I, I think that hasn't helped, um, just that you don't have a, a lot of great prospects to choose from in state. But, you know, they had some other kids early. It didn't seem like – I mean – the obvious ones under Graham that they didn't close the deal on. Jaron Williams' career, I don't know where the hell he is now. I think he's back in the portal. He's not panned out. I, a tradition I, unlike any other. Yeah, well, hindsight 2020. Portal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that kid might have been a starter. At UK. Well, 
one, maybe he just wasn't good, or two, maybe he just – I mean, he started at Miami as a redshirt freshman. He had to beat out, you know, another guy to get that job. I think looking back, he might wish he would have gone to UK because he's probably the starter his freshman year and maybe a more stable situation would have been good for him or maybe maybe he was just destined to turn out this way. But then, of course, Mac Jones, who was not yeah. viewed as the same type of prospect as Jaron was, but still a very good prospect who obviously chose Alabama, had a great career, and now starts with the Patriots. But besides that, they've not really been in. It doesn't seem like on a ton of highly ranked guys. And I think well, Cohen might be able to help. But the only problem with Cohen – And again, I mean, Grant was here a long time for a coordinator. He wasn't really looking for other jobs. Cohen is much younger than what Eddie was when he was coaching at UK. And I think Cohen just doesn't have a ton of ties to Kentucky outside of this job. So I think you got to expect that, you know, he's not, if things go well for Liam Cohen, just being realistic, he's probably not going to be here five or six years. That's that's a really fair point and a true point. Uh, And as we wrap up here, I do have some thoughts. Uh, So John Summerall did say, on the the press conference today that he is going to coach in the bowl game with Kentucky. That's really cool, which brings me to this as we wrap up. We've talked a lot in recent weeks, and now that Mark Stoops has agreed to a a new extension with Kentucky through through the 2027 season into June 2028, I mean, it, it looks like Stoops is going to be in Lexington for a while. I mean, I have no idea when his time is up, but I'm going to say that you can add John Summerall's name to that list of possible replacements or candidates at some point down the road, especially if he does well at Troy and he gets a power five job somewhere that could, I could 110% see that guy coaching at Kentucky one day as a head coach. And I watched, uh, I forgot he was on a zoom call with out of town media uh, this afternoon, but I watched his actual like Troy press conference today when they introduced him and they are fired up about him down there. Like very Every reason to be. Yeah, he's uh, – I'm, I'm with you. It's early. You know, we'll see how he does. I would be surprised. Just I mean, He's got the footprint. I think he's going to hire a good staff. It's a good league, and they're in a good division in that league. I mean, I mean, you got Coastal Carolina, App State, Georgia State. Like, you know, there's some, there's some good teams at that level that play there. But Troy's had success in the past. I think he'll be uh, – you know, it always depends on how the timing lines up because, you know, Neil Brown probably would have been in a better spot – you know, yeah. had you know than what he is now. Um, but I definitely think John, if it's not UK, I think he's got the pedigree to be a it's there to be a SEC head coach somewhere. Yeah. Me and you could tell the story now. We've uh we've seen the wild side of of Summerall, haven't we? Did I did we not tell the story on the pod? We, I must have been no. somebody else. Oh, I, I don't my buddies. Uh yeah. So we and Sean back in the day before COVID, you were allowed on the field. We were in the tunnel before UK played South Carolina in 2019, which of course UK Sawyer was banged up. They didn't even score a touchdown to the final drive. But that was the day that I learned, you know, <laughs> if you would have told me when I saw John Summerall, like, just going crazy, slapping Stoops' hand, just getting everybody fired up before the game, I would have thought, hell, you know, you guys had a pretty good shot to win this I thought, game. I thought he broke Stoops' hand. Yeah. I mean, like, just, I thought he broke it. You just it, see the juice and the energy that he had. Um, didn't you take a video? I did. I, I need I to tweet still it. Have I, it. Still, I still have it. If you uh, still have it, yeah. Um, and he, he was – I thought he – I mean, he was throwing dudes around, wasn't he? Like, I mean, he was – and that and you heard that highlight this year, that clip of you need some juice, come find me, 110%. If I need juice, I'm going to find him. Yeah. Yeah, great. A great coach here. Very – I mean, I think he'll do a great job, and he's really young to become a head coach. I mean, I I, I know guys these days, like Lincoln Riley got hired when he was like 33. That's pretty unusual. I think John's 38 or 39. 
So Stoops wasn't, I mean, what Stoops was mid forties, I think when he got hired by UK. So, you know, John's right on that path to being a head coach somewhere bigger one day, but he, he fits in at Troy. And I, I think, I mean, that'll be a team that, I mean, I've never said this about another UK assistant. Like I will look forward to following along. I followed the, <laughs> I followed the Troy football Twitter account today. I wouldn't have done that otherwise. Or not I did too. I did. Yeah. Too. Like I follow them now. Like I want to, I want to keep up with them because legitimately the timing, who knows? I mean, he, he might be in the mix one day to be the head coach at UK, but he's got to have success at Troy first. But with the transfer portal, he'll be able to do things a little bit differently than how Neil had to do it. I mean, I think he could get that roster you know, pretty good pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this, this wraps up uh, this mailbag episode. We're going to get to a basketball mailbag this week, probably – Probably thinking Wednesday, we can do one after the game on Tuesday because Kentucky has Southern tomorrow night at Rupp Arena. Then they have Notre Dame in South Bend on Saturday. Unfortunately, I will not be making the trip up to South Bend. I don't know if you are or not. Yeah, I actually am. So, uh, <laughs> I'm so going, yeah. if you're going, I'm not going. That's a very yeah. rare thing. Usually we're <laughs> both there or something, but uh, I'll be here covering from home. I have some things going on this week or the next two weeks, but busy time of year. We'll continue to preview and the Citrus Bowl, we'll, we'll both be going to the Citrus Bowl, things like that. And uh, a lot of good stuff coming your way on Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time.